Well, hello, Beth. Hello, David. It's very lovely to hear you again. How are you? I am doing okay, thank you. I'm excited that we are at the beginning of season four. We've got excellent guests, lots of interesting things to be talking about, and I am very much looking forward to it. I know, I can't believe we're at season four. Um, I'm quite impressed. Um, big shout out to you for this, by the way, because um, our listeners won't see the effort that goes in behind the scenes and, and the effort is David and I just turn up for these bits. So I'm very grateful. And Harry as well, who does a lot of the editing, mustn't forget. But um, yeah, thanks to David for coordinating and producing all of this. Oh, well, it's fun for me. I get to talk to lots of interesting people. And yes, very appreciative of all Harry's technical wizardry uh, to make this uh, all come together and to get it all out into the right places. And to our wonderful listeners, um, if you are enjoying the podcast, feel free to share it with others as well. We have listeners all over the world, which is a real joy. Um, But if there's other people that you might want to share this with, feel free to do that. Uh, We love welcoming everyone if there are people that people want to hear from as well, because well. we've got an incredibly long list of people that we'd hope to interview. Um, and it is, it's an embarrassingly long list. Um, but I think we, we'd always love to know, you know, if there are people's stories or kind of questions you'd want to ask people, like let's, let us know, because we'll see if we can use that as a, a bit of persuasion to get people on. Definitely. And the listeners' names might you know correspond with our names it might from our long list you might help to bump people to the top by letting us know so yeah do do get in touch and letting us know who are the people that make you glad to uh, be part of baptist life who are you glad to share a movement or a denomination um, with I, I paused uh in my head there for a moment because i'm very conscious of whatever word one chooses to use there's someone somewhere that uh finds it objectionable um so i was like oh movement mm, denomination mm, network mm, i whatever you think we are whoever makes you glad to be in it those are the people we want to talk to covenant i think is a good word if in doubt who are in this covenantal relationship with and i think um yeah i actually it's a phrase i find myself using more and more to friends just saying i'm really glad I'm oh, really yeah i think doing this has made me think about why because it's how it came about right is that we were yeah yeah why why we're in this union and in the in the times particularly when it can feel more of a challenge and less of the joy um and i think i I don't know what you mean never never perish the thought (laughs) but i think it's the fact that it it comes back to you know those those kind of wider things that people may have very different views about that actually really love the people and Mm. um and so it comes back to that for me each time I like that. I think I tend to use movement, if only because it implies something that's going somewhere has a bit of energy. I mean, one could question whether it has all those things, but I mean, it should have all those things, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's aspirational, perhaps, but just a sense of it not, it suggests it's more than an institutional framework. That there's something about it that is more than our structures, whatever they may look like. But I don't know if it's the right language. So maybe I'll borrow some of yours. So thank you for that. Well, I think it's interesting, isn't it? And you've picked up a word that's, uh, I think, a really good political word. Like you talk mm. about movement kind of politically as well, wouldn't you? And um, and it's an organic word, um, I think, moving. Um, and then I've just picked out like a really <laughs> logical word. That's just like, here's something from the Old Testament and then the New Testament. <laughs> Well, and we'll let people draw their own conclusions from our choices. Uh, <laughs> um, How many West Wing bloopers can we get into this? That's the other question. Oh, yes. so many. So I, I'm watching it again at, at the moment because, yeah, why wouldn't you? And I've realised how often I use phrases in my life and they're totally from uh, the West Wing. And I thought, I don't, I don't even do it deliberately. I just, <laughs> just um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness that, you know, a lot of the people I work with are, you know, almost a bit too young for it. Like they said, oh yeah, what is this, this old person's TV show now. So um, I, know. I, get, I get away even with it. Even the postgrads, even yeah. the postgrads. And I'm like, oh, well, let me gift this to you. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, it, it's old, but it will bring you hope. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have two things to offer you other than Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that is the work of Barbara Brown Taylor and the West Wing. So if you've got both of those, I've got nothing to give you. 
Yeah, that is how it works. Um, now, we're beginning season four with uh, a wonderfully high-caliber guest, as we, all our guests are. Um, and we're beginning with the acting regional team leader of the Southern Counties Baptist Association, uh, the wonderful uh, Claire Hooper. Now, but Beth, I think you found out that Claire was the uh, acting regional team leader of your association by listening <laughs> to our interview on the podcast. Is that right? It is indeed. Sorry, Amy Allen, for not reading your emails properly. Um, I, um, I've i just come out of the end of, a, of, of term and, and so you kind of come up for air. And then I, I but I whooped, I whooped when I heard that, like genuinely out loud. Um, it was a very good piece of news to find out um, in any way, whichever form you find out about it. And I, I'm now going to go back through it and just double check all the Southern County's emails and I've inwardly digested them all appropriately. Um, I think um, we, we were talking, weren't we, about introducing, what do we need to say to introduce today? And we we're like, well, we won't talk too much at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> And then we remembered that we really do this just because we like a natter. So, um, yeah, um, but we do. We um, Claire is one of those people that I, I'm trying to think when I first met her. And I think since being in Southern Counties, I have known Claire that somehow that and maybe even before that, um, that she's just been one of those people who has been around in all sorts of different parts of Baptist life, which is something that we kind of hear about a little bit during the interview um and um and I I wonder actually how many people that will also be true for whether or not they're in southern counties or not because she is somebody who's so good at going and welcoming new people so if you turn up to something that's kind of broader Baptist movement slash covenant slash union slash whatever we're going to call it this week um that you know one of the people you'll find there quite often is is Claire and and Claire is just one of those people who has this great ability to kind of gravitate towards somebody and say hello <laughs> in a way that makes you feel like oh I'm, I'm okay I know where I am now so yeah, it's very lovely to be able to have heard a little bit more about her. So um, shall we go in and listen in? And Yes, uh... let's do that now. Well, Claire, welcome to our Something to Declare podcast. It's lovely to have you on as a guest. And it's great to be here. Now, we were talking just before we pressed the record button about the fact that you you have a, a, a podcast. You do some interviews, too, and you're, you're often the other side of this um, setting. Uh, tell us a bit about what that's all about. Yeah, well, I haven't done it for a while. It was me and my mate, Emma, um, but Emma's in a bit of a different phase of her life at the moment. And it was called Joining the Dots, and it came from the Children's Youth and Families Roundtable. And it was basically around, we recognised that, obviously, the world of the child involves school, it involves church and it involves family and, and like school could also be community and we wanted to make sure that um, we were kind of connecting those dots up in the work that we do really. So we were just interviewing different people that operated in those different spheres. Interesting um, and presumably that's still available in various yeah, places. Yeah, it's for still people available. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, I want to ask about the roundtable um, in a minute if I can. Um, but I think you have kind of like a unique or a fairly unique, can, can it be fairly unique? That's a dreadful <laughs> sentence, isn't it? Uh, a, a potentially unique uh, role in Baptist life in that you're a regional minister, but with a, a CYF designated hat. And that's not something that there's lots of other people doing. Um, so it's quite uh, a niche, I guess. I, I think it's uh, really interesting. What, what does it involve? What does it look like for you? Yeah, sure. Now, I do think I take an unusual space within our Baptist family, um, and we'll probably chat more, but because <laughs> as an association, but I'm also connected with the college, and because of the CYF Roundtable, I'm part of the core leadership team, so I okay. see quite a breadth of our Baptist uh, family, which is which is beautiful. And um, SCBA has always had quite a tradition of investing in children, youth and families, uh, ministry so my predecessor was Jackie Story mm -hmm. and I, I've kind of just been building on the work that she's um, started and um, and actually both with the association and at the college it always amazes me I thought in, in originally like they might just put me in this little box you know you can't have an opinion about anything other than children's youth families <laughs> um, but in both those spaces it's, it's not at all like that we're just part of one team and 
and obviously the CYF um, brings a perspective and it also brings a way of working I think um, in, into those sort of both of those teams so yeah and actually breaking news um, ready I'm ready <laughs> um, FCBA I think this is really brave bold of them um, or whatever words we might want to use but they've asked me to be the um, acting team lead during um, our space when because our team leader Colin who's amazing is leaving in um, January and we won't be appointing again until like well July will be the start date so during that space I'll be holding that which was like it was a bit of a yikes kind of moment <laughs> and trying to grab a bit of courage so again I think SC, that reflects something about SCBA seeing the importance of children youth and families. Love that what a great decision Southern Counties this is wonderful so in terms of the role then do you um get involved with particular local churches or is it more training and resourcing um how would it be how do the churches connect in with what you're doing sure so i think again scba maybe because of our well definitely because of our area we're we've got about i think it's 56 55 children and families employed workers in wow. our churches so that's like a you know yeah. that, that's plenty to be getting on with in terms of encouraging them trying to network with them and, and providing opportunities for them to gather um, and then there's um, training. So again, because I, I really like working collaboratively. So it was it was it was a really good 24 hours. You know, you're thinking this is work. I'm not sure I should be having so much fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we um, we hired a space and we got a, um, a group of our children, youth, and families workers and a, a pioneer as well. Um, and we actually sort of created um, the beginnings of uh, something training kind of together so that and then we were hoping that more of us CYF workers could deliver that to our volunteers and and, and that within our churches because that's always the hardest um, group to kind of connect with because it's because most people they go along to their Baptist church you know, they they invest in their local church and and actually getting the sort of the local people in the local church to connect in with an SCBA kind of um, vibe is it's a little bit trickier and I totally get that because actually busy, busy times, busy people um, and you and you want to invest locally. So, uh, yeah, that's that, that's probably I think the sort of phase that we're going into at the moment. OK. And so how did um, you find that was a while ago now, but how did you find the transition from working in a local church to having a, a trans local role? Do you, do you miss some of the, the day to day stuff um, or? Uh, yeah. What was that transition like? Yeah, sure. It well, I I've been, I was at Wokenham, my local church, for a long time in different roles, and I, I'm from I still live in Wokenham, and um and I've been here since I was eight years old, um so I think God was particularly kind to me. He came, he kind of made it really obvious to apply for the role, like mm. properly spoke to me. I've only God's ever really sort of blatantly spoken to me twice, and that was <laughs> that was one of the times. Right. Okay. Um, but I also think it was lovely that he didn't request that I, I would always go wherever God wanted me to go, but that I could stay in Wokenham. And so I still have that local kind of connection. I still see my old teachers, you know, buying their shopping in, in the town. Um, and, and I also want to keep it real. So I still help with the school's work. Um, not all the time. Okay. I can't do regular commitments, but it just makes I feel there's a bit more authenticity if I'm actually doing some um, youth work still. And um, and I love uh, last year, or my, yeah, it was last year, I, I, like I helped with a youth weekend away and I love doing that. Again, just chatting to the young people, making sure that I'm still hitting the, hitting the mark with it and not just hearing via youth workers, if you see, or children's workers. Um, so that's been quite important for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, so great to still have all those connections even though your your role your data has changed actually you've still got a lot of the good stuff from being rooted in a community yeah, um, yeah love that um so you mentioned the cyf round table mm. um what is the round table looking at at the moment what's on the agenda 
Sure. Do you know, that again, that's another really exciting space and it's evolved so much um, in the last few years. We've we've found ourselves to be, we were quite a marginalised group because it was not marginalised in a kind of oppressed way. <laughs> we were just kind of like um, a grassroots and we were just finding our feet kind of group. And now we're much more integrated within um, our Baptist Together um, structures and things, which is, is helpful when you're wanting to have a voice in some of these um, spaces and uh, and we've just had a round table at the beginning of um november and it uh we were looking at um the good childhood report which has come out recently and looking at some of the recommendations from that there were seven recommendations and we were thinking so that and we were thinking about obviously we reflected on them theologically what does that look like in practice or what can churches do to contribute to that recommendation and we've, we've got something to come out of that in terms of actually helping churches connect with what's actually happening with childhood <laughs> on the ground and not just in the bubble of the church which can sometimes reflect the reality and sometimes it can't I mean sometimes it's a bit more um hidden isn't it because we just put on our Sunday best on the Sunday our Sunday faces and all that kind of stuff yeah. um but we also we're also looking at the Baptist Assembly we, we're really we've committed to supporting the youth work there for five years so that there's a consistency and we really want to help with the participation of young people and children and so we'll do some work around their participation, hearing their voice. We think that's really, really important because um, when people participate, they feel like they belong. And we have we we, we want to help young people feel like, yeah, obviously they belong to, to God and his kingdom and to the local church. But actually, maybe with a bit of a Baptist flavour, that could be helpful. So, yeah, there are things that we looked at. Yeah, fantastic. And um, knowing some of the other people who are part of it they all speak about it being a really exciting thing to be part of as well so it's obviously uh it's obviously some good good energy and um yeah. vibes about about <laughs> that work um so the good childhood report then this is a children's society report isn't it i think yeah. is that right um what what are they saying because they do this every year don't they is it yeah. is an annual thing so what are the sort of things that they're noticing trends they're picking up i'm guessing there's quite a heavy post-pandemic impact of pandemic vibe. Would that be yeah, fair? It's, I mean, it's not looking great. So okay. the trends have been going down for quite a few years now in terms of um, happy with school life going down, happy with appearance going down, general well-being going down. Um, I, I think what I one of the bits I engaged with, well, obviously there's loads in the report, but they talk about what are... Um, in terms of the state of the world, what's what what's worrying young people? And the top one was the environment. By like, it was seventy something percent of them are have are worrying wow. about the environment, and um, I think we need to really hear that because our I think our church is kind of we we engage with it once a year, but like if that is like literally the world of the child, and we're what is their top concern? We need to be taking that seriously, I think. And that's what I mean by hearing the voice of the child um, in, in that way. The second, I think the second one was around um, the pandemic. Um, I, I can't quite remember, but it, that was pretty high up as well. It was definitely on their list of worries. There was a lot of that for them to be worrying about, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I feels inappropriate to have laughed at that. But um, the, so the environment being at the top of the list, um, which totally makes sense and resonates, I mean, my two are key stage two um and, and they would totally put that at the top of their list of things i'm sure were i to ask them um how does that or how might that impact what we do on the ground with, with children and young people in churches as you say we often, there might be a creation sunday or something like that um but I, I, did the the group have any other thoughts about how that might impact cyf work more generally yeah, and we didn't really go um, to deeper to that yeah. level because that wasn't one of the things that we looked at. To see where, uh, okay. but off the top of my head, oh yes, perfect. <laughs> I, I would say actually, has the church got a very? They need to be public about decisions that they're making concerning the environment because the young people and the children might not be in the meetings where it's discussed. So actually, if they know that it's the church is taking this seriously that would be really great hearing them and their advice and their thoughts because they'll have they'll have done probably more lessons on it than, than the adults so they could do some teaching um back to back to the adults on that so conversations around it um and i, I i'm trying to collect like a bit of a justice library for for children really i'm struggling to find faith-based books around the environment but there's some great children's books which they might 
might have at home, but actually could they be in the church kind of, if you've got a reading corner, could they be in the church reading corner? So again, you're bringing the world of the child into the church space. So they know that this is um, taken seriously. There's one book I got, it was called, um, I think something, Dave and Greta make the world better. <laughs> and it's like an owl and, <laughs> and you know, there's some great, great books out there. And so it's, again, it's, it's that kind of thing of, of and, and obviously, and in the teaching as well on a, on a Sunday morning and, and conversations, just that they know that the church is caring about it. Yeah. Um, and just reflecting on that in our own setting here, actually, what does that, what does that look like for us? It's a really exciting conversation. Um, so talking about hearing the voice of, of children, I think, would it be fair to say you know more about this than me that that's a, been a bit of a transition for churches over the last I don't know 20 years or, how, or however you know, um, from we'll tell them what they need to know and they have to remember it as opposed to actually drawing out of them what's already there and, and hearing their voice and if that is a transition I think that's a fair characterization I mean how how do churches to churches hearing that well is that a message that you think is widespread or do you think we've got a long way to go still see for me it's kind of really obvious and I think probably it's for okay. you too and so I kind of think oh everyone knows this and then you realize they really don't yeah <laughs> um, and so you can I feel like I'm like bleating on but like I, I don't think we can we need to keep bleating on a little bit really um okay. so it comes for me it came from uh well when you think about the rights of the child from the United Nations, they have a charter. And one of the articles is around any decisions that are going to impact a child and affect a child, then their voice should be heard in that decision-making kind of process. And I was thinking, how many decisions do we make as churches, as a, as Baptist Together family? And do we really think, what do the young people, what do the children have to say about this? Um, or do we want to, uh, the thing is, we, we're so, we think they're not, um, they've got, we wait for them to grow up or something like that. And that's just ridic ridiculous. And, um, and there's ways of engaging with them. I mean, our church, I think they were really great when they were looking at um, a minister, we asked the uh, young people, like with magazines and all different to create their ideal minister kind of thing. Nice. So we could hear what sort of um, characteristics would be important for them. What was their character like? And 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 they came up with some really you know great stuff. Like listening well was a really important one for them. And they they made it a he or she. They, you know, and I thought that's really great as well. You can, they they didn't like you know they, in that way you can have those helpful conversations that it doesn't have to look like the person that we already have. It could, they can be someone mm -hmm. different. Um, and so, and then when we looked at values in our church, we all had stickers and we all stack them on the words that we kind of most liked and that kind of thing. And again, the children could be part of that. The young people could be part of that. Church meetings could be changed so that actually um, younger church members can participate more easily. Um, but actually that helps most people participate more easily because sometimes they're geared up just towards one particular style of communication. So I think there's loads of ways in which we can actually help people participate and that's not just children and young people but people in general yeah again my brain's already worrying about how we get better at including our children and young people in the decisions that we make as a church and whether yeah. we can have some more creative ways of making decisions um, and like as a national baptist family we're really struggling that's why we're sort of i'm focusing a bit on the assembly because at least that's one place where there's some young people gathered um satellites is another place it turns out that's mm -hmm. a festival where there's quite a lot of baptists yeah, yeah. Our, our young people did were there did they yeah. it was a huge amount and so we're actually rather than get we can't really afford to have a separate gathering as you know our baptist finances are a little bit stretched so where they're already gathering are there ways in which we can connect with them so isabella senior and i are chatting about that and so, oh great yeah oh, well um should be baptist we'll see you there um, <laughs> so as well as regional ministering and round tabling uh, you mentioned about being connected in at Bristol mm -hmm. um tell us a little bit about what you do at Bristol Baptist College yes yeah, so that was a bit of a shocker that uh, um basically I'm I'm seconded there and so I had a, a, a coffee with Steve who's the principal there and he was just he said would I be able interested to um yeah, get, uh, it's 45 days so a day a week practically um of time there and that's basically doing the um coordinating the children youth and families um, stuff so we have a certificate 
um, and then try and influence ministerial formation so that it includes children through families aspects um, to it um, and, and training. Um, so I've actually done quite a big chunk of training this year for them, the spiritual child training okay. and playful mentoring, um, does some work with IPTS um, around trauma. Um, I think that's really important for children and families, workers to kind of understand trauma and the um, impact it might have on the young people, families, children that they're working with and how they can best it sticking within their lane they're not you know psychiatrists or anything like that but like how they might best support and work with those um families and um yeah so that's all I've loved all of that so what so the IBTS work I know was at people from across Europe and, and Central Asia mm. the Middle East um be, being there what what was that like did you find that there was sort of a, a common language of CYF work or was there a big disconnect between the different cultures um what, what was it like you know, there was, I would say there was a common language. The actual having that breadth was so super helpful um, because we had someone from Germany talk and like she was sharing about her grandparents and that generational trauma and sharing from a German kind of perspective. And then we had someone from Norway. And do you remember that? I can't remember, it was quite a few years ago, but um, all of those young people on that island that were on a camp and then oh, that. yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'd, I was awful, I'd forgotten about that, but you think mm. actually as a society, the trauma then that that, and, and, and that was just really interesting reflecting on. So actually all of these different perspectives were really helpful for us in terms of our own kind of knowledge and understanding. Did you get to go anywhere? Anywhere exciting? No, we, were, oh. <laughs> we went to um, we went to Oxford, which was obviously lovely enough itself, <laughs> but like it was an absolute nightmare. So I was I don't know how I found myself in this situation. Talk about being overcommitted and over optimistic about what I can do. Um, I said oh, they were looking for somewhere, and I found this really awesome. It looked like Harry Potter esque kind of venue in St Albans, and I thought that's really good because they're flying in, blah 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 cheap and it was cheap and it was all the meals everything like that and I was showing my mate I was like look how beautiful it is and this was like a few months after we kind of did the initial booking thankfully hadn't given any money over and then on the site it said we've just gone into liquidation and I was just oh. like oh my so now I had to scrabble around trying to find <laughs> a venue but yeah no so it wasn't exotic unfortunately I think next year we're going somewhere that isn't UK based. So that'd okay. be interesting. Yeah, you want to see if you can get Beirut on the list or something. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have a really. We had someone from Lebanon who's on the, she was great. So we did, um, we worked together and obviously her perspective from being from there was really mm. helpful in, in shaping yeah. the material. Fantastic. Um, Claire, on the podcast, we have two questions that we ask all of our guests. And uh, we're on. I think season five now of the podcast, season four, something like that, season four. And um, I still don't know what my answers would be. So uh, <laughs> I always enjoy listening to everybody else's. Um, but I thought I might ask those to you, if that's okay. Um, Claire, if you had one thing to declare to the union in this moment, what would it be? Yeah, I have been thinking about this. And I was thinking, gosh, there's actually loads of... I'd, I'd like to give a whole speech now. Um and it's probably a sign of the times and just the spaces that I'm in currently. Um, but it would be to value our differences. Um, and I'm sure that's probably been said before. But for me, I was thinking, why is that so important for me? Um, and I think it's because of mission, because the more we can offer different things, the more and not obviously we all offer the gospel <laughs> but the way that we are we are as churches and this and that then actually the more people get to hear the gospel and encounter the gospel in all their beautiful variety and difference and so I think it's a real gift and um, our differences are a gift and I would want us yeah to kind of hold on to that to hold on to our breadth really and um, and increase our depth <laughs> sounds good to me how um, I'm going to note that hold on to uh, breadth and increase uh, depth I think that I'll, I'm going to use that coming to a sermon near you um, <laughs> and our second question um, is if you think Baptists have one thing to declare to the world in this moment what would that be so it's not what we're doing no we're not doing this very well I don't think okay, okay. But I would like the world to know that they are loved um, and I gain really basic. And I've got a kind of a story I was thinking of. I, 
lots of my stories are old stories, but this is a really new story and I'm still kind of living with it. But I think it will give us hope. It gave me major hope um, in terms of what the world is needing to hear. They, I think they need to hear that they're loved. I think people think they don't, they don't, people don't know how loved and precious and valued they are. And I think the world needs to hear that. And then maybe we can be a bit kinder out of that. Um, and, and so about 15 years ago at my church, we used to run a drop-in and it was a bit of a hair raising, hair raising drop-in where um, alcohol, not in the drop-in, obviously, they would leave it outside the door and then collect it on their way home. And um, it was like the sort of Friday night where I was like, are the police going to turn up kind of thing. And, um, but it was one of those sort of real highlights of ministry, you know, when you're like, there's, it was just the young people were awesome. I still see some of them in their thirties now. I still catch up with some of them um but the, on Sunday I was just, you know sometimes your mind might wander in church might in it I'm, I'm sure you it would never <laughs> never never I don't know what you mean <laughs> and I was I don't know what I was thinking I was just thinking oh what did we did, was there really any fruit from that I was just getting a bit you know a little bit on a bit of a downer <laughs> and I could always justify it in one way but I was thinking you know and um and as I was leaving church um there was a guy that was he'd been in the church I had I was sat behind him and he was looking at the notice board and I said, oh, hiya. And he goes, do you remember me? And I was like, you look really familiar. Um, re remind me of your name. So tell me his name. And um, basically he came to church because this, I mean, okay, this is really bad. So I was like, you've been reading the Bible for the past year and have felt really um, he needed to come to church. He'd been reading the Old Testament. He met God through the Old Testament, which is a bit of a lesson of humility. <laughs> because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> my least favorite, but obviously we, you know. If I'm honest, my least favorite bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. And so, and 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 then, but it turns out he, I said, was it a Friday night that he used to come here? And it, he used to come because of the drop-in. Oh, and the wow. reason he came to Wokenham Baptist Church was because um, of how he was made to feel at the, the drop-in, and it was because we accepted him and loved him, and actually, that how the church made him feel spoke to him more than anything we could have ever preached we never did a god slot or anything like that so what he encountered there was love and kindness and 15 years later he comes back i don't have many stories like this okay but this was like this only happened last week so i'm like living in this story at the moment yeah absolutely why would you not <laughs> what a great and, and i think it hopefully it'll encourage people who are doing you know, the mission where it just feels like, what what are we doing? What We know that it's good to be good to people, but actually 15 years later, that goodness has borne a different kind of fruit. Yeah, that is so encouraging to hear, isn't it? And you just never know when things will pop up again in the future, but also how long that feeling sat with him. You know, it wasn't something that he felt for a few months. That's decades and that had still resonated with something in him. And that's just such an incredible gift to have given. Mm, yeah. yeah. All those volunteers and whatever who were there doing that on a Friday night. And... Totally. And he could remember them. It was, we were, we were reminiscing as we were, because I said, come in for a coffee. I'll sit with you. You don't have to be, because I was thinking actually church is weird. And the other thing is he thought he was going to be really judged and told off at church. Okay. Really interesting. So you know that you get all this bits, snippets of information, and he goes, but it wasn't like that at all. He loved the singing, and, and he loved this. He loved. He goes, then that guy that was talking about the Bible, he loved that bit. He, he was. He was just basically God's done obviously an amazing work. <laughs> yeah, how incredible! Ah, oh, and that's that's such a great story for the whole church to to know, isn't it? That you know, um, yeah, it's fantastic. Well. I shall be encouraged by that for days as well. Yeah, I'm glad you shared the story. Thank you so much. Um, well, Claire, thank you for coming on and having a little bit of a chat with us today. It's uh, lovely to talk with you. Oh, well, thanks for inviting me. And uh, I, I love I love your the series and the podcast. So I'm looking forward to hearing everybody else. Brilliant. Well, have a good rest of the day. So Beth, that was my little chat with Claire. Should also say at this point that a number of the interviews have been recorded a little bit ahead of time to help us with our planning. Uh, so you may be listening to this probably between Christmas and New Year or something like that. And these are all uh, certainly the first couple have been recorded before Christmas. Um, 
So just in case there's anything in any way that doesn't quite correspond timing wise, that is why. Uh, but that was my uh, chat with Claire, which was a joy uh, for me. Um, what stands out for you? What are your reflections? Where do we begin? Yeah. So can I get my cliche bingo card line? It's that people's tone as well as what they say that always makes you really appreciate the interview. Um, she is absolutely one of those people, isn't she? Um, she seems to take joy really seriously as well. Um, and that it oozes through the way she talks about everything else, but it clearly, you know, she's clearly somebody who is fun. I love that line that she, um, she made as a passing comment that, you know, she was, when she was working, she thought, I'm not sure I should be having so much fun doing this. And I think that, um, you know, she seems to be somebody that's very contagious in that, in the whole way she speaks about all of it. I mean, there was so much, so much I kind of want us to dive into next, but, but I just think it, it was that on a holistic scale, it came through every bit that she was somebody who clearly had that joy. Yeah, absolutely. And there was say lots of things to pick out. I thought, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and, and I actually went away and had a number of conversations with other folks here was how we do more to involve children, and young people in our decision-making processes as a church. And we've had a number of chats with our leadership team since then um, about it. And it's been really interesting. Um, but yeah, mm. how do we not just have them in their own separate spaces and separate spaces are good and important for a variety of reasons but actually when we're making big decisions about our life together how do we hear that voice and I mean in our work here and in, in the church we have been working for a long time to be uh, putting the children's voice uh, at the center of, of certainly what they're doing and uh, a lot of the way we work um, has changed in a really positive way as a result of that um, but actually how do we then take some of those principles and apply them to, to wider church life it's been, it's been a really interesting thing to go away and, and think about and I'm, I'm not sure we've made a lot of tangible progress yet but I'm hoping that we will do it was really interesting to think about it yeah it's so interesting isn't it because certainly you know when I became a church member um it's one of those things isn't it as Baptists we baptize people we you know because we baptize believers we tend to baptize believers who are you know 14 plus usually more or less um you know kind of um secondary school aged onwards and then so you, so you become a church member upon baptism and therefore you are in a church members meeting at the earliest as a kind of teenager um which is younger than being an adult so mm. there's a different thing there um and there's a, there's a little bit in my head that's like oh I wonder if there are any safeguarding issues on that. <laughs> like no don't get sidetracked but I think it's an interesting one isn't it I think perhaps safeguarding law actually has been one of the things that's changed mm. how we see um adulthood in a particularly kind of clinical way now of 18 or not 18 um but I think it's yeah it's so interesting how do we how do we build children's voices the whole way through especially because they ask such great questions as yeah. well don't they and they they see the world in a, a much less filtered way I think they um they become obviously teenagers much more like learning to kind of co-op so you know take on those sort of social norms for themselves and how they want to fit in the world but I think there's um I think there's something fabulous about kids having particularly having that kind of breadth of of not having the same shoulds in the same way yes. and I think that is really can be really creative uh, yeah and and thinking about children's voices and young people's voices it was interesting then to uh, listen and, and talk to Claire about the good childhood report that a children's society have done and in particular what's worrying young people and uh, was particularly interesting to hear that the environment was right near the top of that list um and whether that's something that yeah, I, I think one of the reasons why the church is generally getting better at this is because actually our younger people have been holding our feet to the fire a little bit more yeah. um, and I think the whole church is responding better because of the influence of of uh, young people and children and young adults as well yeah, absolutely. I mean, they 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 led the way on the school strikes, didn't they? I mean, I remember being with your your children on a, yeah. on, a on a church led march, yeah. Um, and and it was it was 
the kids who even there you know we invited Baptists together to come and march on environmental justice and your children turned up you know that that to me is really a, a comment that says you know who who cares about this actually um and I mean I realize that marching is a little bit more tricky if you're um you know older older and and a little bit less firm on your feet but but kind of um you know what what does it say you know how does that work um you know it's there it's the world they're inheriting from us and and I think you know how we use it and shape it and and are responsible for it at this point how do we how do we help them manage the fact that they will receive a climate crisis that their children will be born into and grandchildren will be born into um I've read a really interesting book actually when it quickly kind of looked up on my I was like do I still have that on my bookshelf after Claire, Claire was talking about the fact that there aren't any good environmental justice books mm. for children by Christians and I thought or that are faith-based and I thought um oh isn't that a gap in the market um because there are lots of ones coming around about eco-theology and kind of in mm. that sense there's a good one yeah there's some good stuff on parenting and climate crisis um but they're written from a secular perspective. And I think actually, yeah, I think we need the Quakers on it. They're usually really good at this stuff, aren't they? But <laughs> They are. That's true. I, I always think this. I think also we, we have a tendency in um, Christian publishing to do the kind of classic um, David, uh, King David story, highly edited children's version um pg appropriate um uh there's a jonah usually appears we get joseph and technical dream coat all the stories of the blokes you'll notice never never get the women in there and they have like kind of biblical like kids stories for them and then that's really it there isn't and there'll be like some like maybe some moral tales around kind of kind of you know kind of praying makes you feel happy type stuff but i i've been really underwhelmed by the lack of good children's christian books anyway so um like i think yeah maybe i should write one but I'd, i don't know where i'd start but if anybody wants i'm not very good at drawing so if it, and i think you'd have to do it with really good illustrations so if anybody wants to illustrate a good children's book on environmental justice with me i'll fit it into the time i don't have um and, <laughs> <laughs> and i will happily contribute by buying a copy uh, I, might, I might even buy two um, that I, might, um but I thought it was very sorry no it's okay I was I just think, going off on a tangent about wouldn't it be cool if you could do something cool with Genesis um yeah, no it's fine um, <laughs> I've already half written in my head you see that's what's happened here well and we love that we love that um, but also in the report it was talking about um how children are increasingly not happy at school mm. and at home and just the challenges uh, of that. Um, then it kind of set me on a train of thought about thinking about those people who do make such a tangible difference. I mean, we have some children um, who come to things that we put on here, and we know for a variety of reasons um, that it's possibly the only really safe hour of their week. Um, and it's so easy to forget that when that's not your immediate context um and yet so many children but for some school is a total sanctuary and saving grace um but for others school is rife with danger and difficulty mm. um yeah and so i was just there's was is a lot in there i think and i you know this is one of those moments where i want to say this has always been true i wonder if we yes what actually may be changed is that children are given language. So the the difference of having the UN rights of the child, you know, is that children have learned to, to feel that they can voice some of those things. So they get picked up now, perhaps in a way that they wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, so I often, you know, I work with Gen Z all the time and, um, you know, the, the mental health language that they use, I'm, and so, uh, there's a lot of conversation that says, you know, are they, are they unhappier? you know are they are they are they less mentally well is is actually having a language almost problematic it's kind of nudging them into mm. thinking not that I'm feeling a bit depressed today but I I have depression so it becomes much more of a, a something rather than a you know a changeable mood um and I think you know there is I think there is a risk of some of those things um 
And I think that that's then exacerbated in a kind of social media context where you live your world online and you can kind of doom scroll your way through all those. Mm-hmm. But um, but I also think maybe we've just actually for the first time done something right in that we have given a generation a language that says it's okay to talk about the stuff that's hard here um and actually let's do that <laughs> let's actually not yeah. pretend that our life has to be perfect and glossy um or the life isn't perfect and glossy and inevitably isn't um and so so actually what do we do with those bits that aren't and I think that's the challenge for church isn't it because I think we can be a bit too glib sometimes in moving into the kind of Jesus is the answer to all your life's problems but actually the you know looking at that children's society report you know whilst parents are worrying about the pandemic um the other thing that comes through is a cost of living crisis you know the conversations around actually it's hard for home to be um a warm safe place if it's not if it's not warm (laughs) and it's not you know it's not it's not financeable um and it's a very it's a very different thing if those structures are there and I, I think one of the things that's changed in the last you know 15 20 years is is that you know society is is in a much poorer place and doesn't feel like that kind of social care is there in the same way mm. but in the fabric of life so yeah um love listening to Claire's answers to our fundamental questions as well that we we ask um I don't think fundamental was the right word there but we'll go with it um <laughs> and uh, unlikely in... unlikely newsflash that David Main is now a fundamentalist <laughs> yeah, well that would be news I might get put back on some email lists you never know um I won't hold my breath um and uh, Claire spoke about I think we both picked up on this phrase didn't we, about holding on to our breadth and increasing our depth oh, I, I thought know. I'm so in for that it's such a really well articulated way of saying so much I think that we'd want to both say mm, yes I like, can't <laughs> make it the new slogan for our movement slash denomination slash covenant slash whatever we are wherever we are it's certainly if you were saying what are we going to what what is our strategic focus to borrow language from elsewhere but what it what are we saying the next three five whatever years is going to be about Mm. you're saying we're going to hold on to our breadth and we're going to increase our depth that's a three-year five-year work plan that i could get behind you've got one of those for your church haven't you david what's that a work plan well no a lovely slogan that kind of lovely slogan (laughs) yeah we we did have a work plan but i was told it sounded too much like uh industrial soviet russia and we were gonna have to produce (laughs) a certain number of tractors (laughs) so we don't call it that i guess if i'm being really honest and i know in the podcast we had last season with Ellen, she picked up on this. I'm just a little bit nervous of the vision word. I know vision's really important, but anyway, mm-hmm. we anyway, but we we have we've entered a new season of church life where we're talking about hope and hospitality. That is our framework. That is our vision, hope and hospitality, and that has a number of elements to it. Uh, yes, yeah, so, and that was really exciting. We launched that last month, and uh, really looking forward to that. And for us. We just have this conviction that renewal for our church is going to come around the dinner table and not from the platform. Um, and we're working hard to do what we can to live live out the, the life we're being called to live. So it's really interesting for us and interesting That's, for me. Those are such great phrases. <laughs> <laughs> all the good ones are borrowed from somewhere else, almost <laughs> certainly. Um, and all the ones that don't make sense are usually where I've said something, but... Uh, Holding on to our breadth, increasing our depth, I like that, valuing our differences, and that there's a missional benefit from our, all our beautiful variety. I think that was the other thing Claire was talking yeah. about. Just This helps us. It doesn't hinder us. Uh, and I was attracted to that particularly. Uh, and so I really also loved her second answer, which which was so, so connected. Mm. But um, she said, oh, can I tell a story? And I just thought, oh, I love it because it's children's youth families working one moment, isn't it? It's like actually the illustration here is is what I'm trying to say and um and that story was such a powerful story I think it's the thing everybody hopes for you talk about planting seeds don't you and that um you know she she's she gave us a a conversation about this is the fruit that you know and I and it was so good it was such an extraordinarily beautiful story but but I think beautiful because it illustrated how 
I think she came across in so much of it as well, which is that, you know, how we make people feel really matters. And um, I mean, I, 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 this for me is, is a, is the thing that I think really, really, really matters. Um, And it can matter so much more sometimes, you know, it comes through in what we say as well, but, but it matters so much more than than what we say is how we say it and how we are with people and that they had both then clearly created a space where somebody could be welcome and cared for and um and given a voice and and listened to and all the things that she'd been talking about the whole way through and that that what that meant was that 15 years later with this experience of God through the Old Testament that um which I enjoyed <laughs> the Old Testament. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no, we hear you. Um, um, but that that, you know, kind of this experience of them, you know, thinking church would be weird and maybe a place still that might be told off that that church might be the safe enough place to go and actually loving the singing. And mm. yeah, great. Yeah, great it was song. very, very good. Um, as indeed was chatting with Claire. Um, mm. we're grateful to Claire for coming on the podcast. Uh Claire yeah. is just someone I'm grateful to be in a union with uh, within yeah. a denomination uh, in a movement and um, I feel like it's given me so much to think about uh, yeah. so I'm really thankful for that as well I'm going to muse about children in in church governance and how we give children a voice in a new way and yeah yeah well when we've uh, sorted that out we'll come back and, and tell our <laughs> listeners in a future podcast we might need just um, to get Claire back on for part yeah two. yeah <laughs> So you tell us what we did wrong and yeah. how we should have done it. Yeah. Although um, we we should plug Claire's podcast at this point, shouldn't we? Because actually, if you do should. want to talk more about that, absolutely, know, podcast is joining the dots, and I think it is you know to pick up on your language from hope and hospitality. It's about the stuff that goes on around the table, mattering. You know, connecting into the school stuff and connecting yeah. into you know how families and church and everything all stick together. So. Yeah, some really, really good stuff on there. So do encourage everyone to go and, and have a listen. Now, we have a new blessing each season. And uh, I think uh, you might finish for us with this one. This is a, a blessing from uh, Ruth Burgess, who's written a number of uh, books, um, sort of blessings and liturgy and things uh, for the, the church year. Uh, and this was a blessing uh, that I've slightly adapted from uh, one of her books. It's beautiful. Wherever you walk, may the earth uphold you. Wherever you enter, may you find welcome. Wherever you nest, may it be a good home. And wherever you go, may the love and grace and mercy of God go with you. Always. Well, Beth, thank you. And, uh, well, see you next week. See you soon.